alive on the net and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. George, New York. I'm Bill Gallagher, and it's time for the BC Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whatever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right today. I certainly uh, hope so. I want to give a special shout out to all of our viewers on Vander Holyfield TV, or actually, I should just say uh, Holyfield TV. We're glad to be part of the Holyfield Television Sports Network. Uh, also, if you haven't downloaded our app, do it right now. Go to fight.tv. That's F-I-T-E dot TV slash Billy C. That's fight.tv slash Billy C. Download our app today and uh, get to watch uh, and listen to our show uh, on your handheld. It's that simple. Uh, just go to fight.tv. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Visit the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get a slice of pizza. Decent pizza, anyway. 912-268-2328. And don't forget, if you're in the WGIG listening area in Brunswick, Georgia, if you haven't checked out Sal's, you're missing the party, man. Just visit him. He's right on Frederica. Just go to the website for the address, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Gawk Box. Hey, you want to save some money? You want to help us out? Hey, what's better than both of us? Two-way street. Check out Gawk Box. Set up an account today. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the Gawk Box section. Yeah, it's right there on the right-hand side. Uh, you can't miss it. It's below the gigantic Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria banner that uh, I think Sal cut a, a private deal with Jeremy C. Uh, so it's under that, all right? But uh, anyway, today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage, The Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold, and you can get a copy right now. By visiting uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why we got a five-star rating across the board. And uh, if you want to get a signed copy, don't worry about it. Just visit our website, www.billycboxing.com. And uh, click on the book, which you can't miss. It's all over the place. But uh, anyway, um, today we got scheduled uh, Alex Papali joining us uh, a little bit later. We're going to do our blast from the past this week, uh, former world champion and boxing Hall of Famer uh, Miguel Canto. Uh, we'll talk about him. Uh, boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard scheduled to join us here uh, in about a half hour, and we'll get his thoughts on uh, the fight that took place last week 
between uh, Canelo Alvarez and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Um, also, uh, I'll ask Larry what his thoughts are, his early thoughts are uh, on the mega fight uh, that's scheduled now between uh, Canelo and Triple G. Uh, and uh, some other stuff. We'll see what happens. I got some news on the WBC. Speaking of the WBC, tomorrow uh, we're supposed to be getting uh, Mauricio Suleiman uh, on the show to talk uh, uh, about some WBC stuff. So um, right now I, I wanted to uh, mention about the WBC and uh, some updates they have. Uh, I also, uh, my question of the day is, you know, the, the fight that we're all talking about, I mean, yeah, we, we want to see Triple G and Canelo uh, for sure. Uh, but the fight that everyone seems to be talking to me about and asking me about, finally, uh, a heavyweight fight that's, that's you know, uh, worthy of discussion and anticipation is, of course, Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder. The big question today is, uh, is it going to happen this year? Or are we going to be uh, basically... Uh, played around with again and uh, have to wait uh, for uh, for that fight to, to take place uh, sometime next year. Uh, a marination process, if you will. Uh, I think the sport needs the fight, and I think it needs it for this year. Joining me right now, uh, he's a, a New Jersey Boxing Hall of Famer. He's a Guinness Book of World Record holder. He can throw down a couple of pizzas. Uh, my man, uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the one, the only, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Bill. How are you today? Well, I'm not doing too bad. Um, uh, uh, got some uh, got some stuff going on today. And uh, first and foremost, do you think Deontay Wilder uh, against uh, the man that I think is the best heavyweight in the division, Anthony Joshua, will that fight happen in 2017? Or are they going to, uh, you know, jerk us around a bit and have it uh, 2018? I think they should do it by the end of the year. I think they should do it sometime before the before Thanksgiving. And I think this would be a signature great year of boxing that we could put in the history books as far as uh, having a benchmark where the preceding year or years uh, to follow that uh, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully try to uh, copy. So, yeah, I think it should happen this year. It should. Is it going to? We'll see with the uh, with the boxing uh, regulating bodies get involved with mandatories and everything else. But, yeah, that should happen this year before November. Well, I certainly hope so uh, because I think the uh, the sport uh, needs it, uh, to be it honest does. with you. You know, and, and uh, you know, why not? You know, I, I mean, sometimes in in all sports you got to ride the wave, so to speak, you know. Yes. And right now we're, we're on a high, and it, it came from – Anthony Joshua uh, and Vladimir Klitschko. So why not continue that ride? And and we got a guy in Deontay Wilder constantly pounding his chest, uh, telling us he's the best in the division. And uh, hey, it's time to put up or shut up, right? No, oh, absolutely. I mean, they, we've got some momentum in that division right now, and you know, it, it'd be a perfect, uh, perfect uh, view to see. Now, I, I know there was a was there a mandatory with uh, Klitschko and uh, and Joshua to have a, a rematch. Well, that that good question. The um, <clears throat> contract stated that they, it was a it was a two fight deal. It's up to Klitschko whether he wants to have a rematch or not. Now, my personal uh, feeling on that, Sal, that's a good question, um, is, you know, 
in this particular case, he was knocked out. It wasn't a, it wasn't a decision. I mean, yes, it was a close fight going into that ninth round. Um, but uh, you know, what is he? The only way that I think that they should have a rematch is if Klitschko gets back on his bicycle and wins a significant fight, maybe against Deontay Wilder, uh, maybe against uh, Tyson Fury rematch, something like that. That would. Um, you know, that would get him back in the picture, so to speak. And, I'm, and, and, you know, one loss doesn't remove him from the picture totally, but the rematch, I think, has to come on the heels of a significant win for Klitschko. It would have been immediate if uh, if he would have um, beaten uh, Anthony Joshua. What, what do you think? True, I think so. But, you know, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Klitschko face the winner. Of Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. Well, that might be possible too. You know, if he if he maybe has an interim fight, uh, and uh, maybe him taking on the winner of Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Well, I mean, I I, I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just think that a Klitschko um, would be in a a good spot if he was a guy that fought. Uh, let's say Deontay Wilder, and then the winner taking on Anthony Joshua. You know, I mean that's that's, right. that's where where I'm thinking. Um, but you know, hey, it, it really uh, according to the contract, from what I understand, it's really in Klitschko's hands. That's interesting. Well, like I said, any one of those scenarios, uh, I'd be satisfied to see. Uh, but definitely uh, priority one, I would love to see Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Uh, do a mega heavyweight fight for the championship, right? Uh, the next couple of months towards the end of the year. Well, speaking of which, speaking. Uh, Deont- Deontay Wilder is the uh, WBC World Heavyweight Champion, and the WBC just uh, released their uh, championships uh, updates, they call it. And um, as far as the heavyweight championship, which uh, we'll focus on today, is uh, Deontay Wilder, obviously, is their champion. And um, what was supposed to happen was Alexander Povetkin and um, uh, Bermain Stavern was supposed to fight, and the winner uh, was going to be the mandatory challenger for Deontay Wilder. And we all know what happened there. Povetkin tested positive uh, for uh, you know steroids again, and um, Stavern went home. You know, wee wee wee, cried all the way home, and that fight didn't take place. Um, Povetkin did fight someone else, and Deontay Wilder uh, took a voluntary defense and knocked out uh, uh, Washington, uh, Gerald Washington, um, in uh, uh, February. So now um, there is an order from the WBC for Deontay Wilder to face Berman Stavern, and the purse offer uh, was, uh, I guess, already taking place. It was due uh, uh, the other day, last week. And, you know, they have a split of 70-30, 70 going to the champion, of course, and 30% right. going to uh, Stavern. I have not heard of that fight being signed, sealed, and delivered, so I'm not sure. Now, the WBC is also uh, putting their silver belt, which is their fancy way of uh, saying it's an interim belt, uh, between uh, Derek Chisora and Robert Herlinus, which I find pretty interesting because... Neither one of those guys have really proven themselves in the heavyweight division, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, the winner of that fight becomes the next mandatory. So, I mean, the WBC seems to be stacking up opponents for Deontay Wilder 
to just stay away from Anthony Joshua. And this is this is something that I, I find uh, uh, extremely negative for the sport uh, because I think that uh, what we need is we need these unifications at least. I mean, they created the super and diamond belts and stuff uh, just so that they could have unifications. What's your thoughts? Well, like I said, there's too many belts out there. And, you know, there should be one champion per division, and there there should be one uh, one belt, and uh, the, the coveted belt to, to fight for. That's, uh, that's what it should be. There's too many belts and too many sidesteps here. Uh, they got to get to the meat of the matter, not the mud of the matter. The fluff without the stuff. We want the stuff. Well, the bottom That's line is for for the heavyweight division, what yeah. we definitely need is uh, we need Deontay Wilder to fight Anthony Joshua. So at least we can have a, a, a clearly defined world champion, uh, at least uh, in my mind. I think that's I what think we that's need. I think that's right. Yeah, you know. Um, Absolutely. Just uh, FYI, because the guy that's lurking in the back as far as the WBC is concerned is Tony Bellew. Tony Bellew. Uh, was the WBC Cruiserweight world champion, but then he got permission from the WBC to fight David Hay, which I don't know how David Hay got it. Uh, and uh, the WBC immediately labeled Tony Bellew as champion of Murtai, meaning that uh, they put up the belt uh, uh, for uh, Marius Breedis uh, against Marco Huck, which took place, and Breedis won that fight. So technically, he's the champion. Uh, unless Tony Bellew returns to the cruiserweight uh, division, which uh, would mean that he would have to fight uh, Breedis, and then uh, you know we'd have the real champion. If uh, Bellew decides to stay in the heavyweight division, then um, Marius Breedis becomes the world champion. So that's the cruiserweight. Now Tony Bellew might be floating around uh, to possibly fight David Hay. Uh, that fight might be approved by the WBC. Uh, I am not sure, again, what's going on with Stavern. He hasn't fought in a while, so uh, we'll have to wait and see on that, Sal. But uh, a lot of uh, in-place excuses for Deontay Wilder <laughs> not to face um, oh, Anthony Joshua. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think you just said it right there. It's, uh, you know, you, you put, you know, people would love to see this fight with Anthony Joshua. And uh, Deontay Wilder, is it going to happen? Well, here, here's the whole mechanics of the, the way these these world governing bodies work, and uh, they're putting up the obstacles instead of the path of least resistance. You know, let's let's, let's see the two biggest men in the in the division get it on and fight and see who's the better one. Well, you know, it seems like uh, they don't want that to happen because maybe they don't get all of their sanctioning fees. I I don't know. Well, I don't know. You know, but uh, anyway, hey, listen, uh, we're going to take a short break. And, you know, when we come back, speaking at a heavyweight division, um, you know, uh, the WBA has got their own. Uh, now, now, remember, Anthony Joshua uh, won the heavyweight super WBA title or however they call it. Basically, he's their super champion by defeating Klitschko. That belt was vacant, even though I thought that that belt was supposed to be originally held by a regular champion who unified a belt. So, I, you know, it's very confusing. And this is all coming from the WBA who claim that they will be eliminating these uh, BS belts, which they definitely have not done yet. Um, but, uh, but the bottom line is I got an update on that 
which is kind of ridiculous. But again, uh, my question that I ask everybody is Deontay Wilder uh, having the you-know-whats to step in the ring with Anthony Joshua. Should it happen now in 2017 or should we have to wait? That's the uh, question. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, I got some more heavyweight news. All of that is coming up in about two. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Uh, glad to have you with us this morning. And uh, speaking of having us with us or having him with us or... He's here. He's here right now, and that's uh, my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, before we went to break, we were talking about the heavyweight division, specifically the WBC champion, Deontay Wilder, and the fact that we all want him to uh, fight Anthony Joshua, who we feel is the uh, uh, best heavyweight, or most of us feel that he's the best heavyweight uh, in the division today. Um, but there's another fight. There's another heavyweight fight that's going on, and that's uh, uh, between uh, for a vacant title, and that's between Shannon Briggs, and Freza Quendo. Um, their press conference tour kicked off yesterday. And, uh, you know, as usual, Shannon Briggs had a lot to say. Uh, he's a cartoon character, WWE character, if you will. And he said, I've heard things that he said about me, uh, that it might be an easy fight, but he has no idea how motivated and focused I am right now. I just can't wait for the bell to ring so that people can look up and see me smash him. I'm coming out in the first round. I'm gunning for you. Uh, as soon as the bell rings, I'm coming to take your head off. I don't, uh, I don't, if I don't get you in the first round, I'll get you in the second, all the way to the 12th. I got Lukayevich in at two minutes and 59 seconds of the 12th round. Uh, and uh, you might not have, you might have to go that way too, he says. Uh, Freza Quinto says, I've been in there with the best in the sport. This is a special fight for me. This is life and death for me. I've fought everywhere in the world. Sometimes I didn't get the decision, but I'm going to bring it every time. Um, you know, typical. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Uh, but, but he, here's the thing that that I find extremely interesting, Sal. Go ahead. Freza Quendo. Uh, he has uh, he has fought for the world title before. He's a former uh, world uh, title challenger. Um, his last fight actually was for a title against Ruslan Shigaev. His last fight was for the WBA regular heavyweight title against Ruslan Shigaev. That was in July of 2014. By the time he steps in the ring, it's going to be just about three years before he fought. How does a guy that hasn't fought in three years get a shot at a title? But no, wait, there's more, Sal. Because (laughs) Shannon Briggs, who's ranked uh, at number eight uh, by the WBA, at least that's what he was uh, several months ago. I'm sure they moved him up. I don't know how they could move him up. Because his last fight was May of last year. So by the time he steps in the ring, uh, he's going to be out of the ring for a year. So combined, these guys haven't fought around for four years. 
How does that justify for a world title, Sal? You tell me. Unbelievable. I'll tell you. You know what? Where, where, where's the money? I want a title shot. I'll tell you. It's unbelievable with the, with the whole mechanics of how this thing works today. It's just not, it's not what I remember. I'll tell you. It's the old Rip Van Winkle. I fell asleep, and, man, look at where I woke up. It's a different world today, Bill. These guys, I can't believe they're fighting for a title. One's been idle for this many years. This one hasn't fought for another year. They're ranked, and they're going to be going, going to step up for a coveted belt. Well, is that belt coveted? I don't know. Unbelievable. Yeah, it, it, it sours me a little bit, can you tell? I mean, the truth of the matter is, is how does a belt, who wants to fight for a belt that they're letting two guys fight that combined have been out of the sport for four years? Four years. I mean, you know, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And it's actually, if if I'm the WBA, I think it's embarrassing, you know, to, to be honest, which I, I think it's uh, it's an embarrassing situation uh, for them, to be uh, 100% honest, you know. But uh, anyway, Sal, here's something else for you, some more news. I can't um, wait to jump up. There's, there's a new uh, promotional group, and uh, they are setting a uh, – once again, I mean, every so often, and, and, and myself included because I was involved with one, but every so often for the last half a dozen years or so, uh, there's been these uh, tournaments uh, that have come into focus and into play. And the last successful ones, I think, was the uh, ESPN tournament. Uh, we had uh, middleweight, uh, junior middleweight, uh, and uh, heavyweight, I think. Lightweights, too, I think. Um, but, uh, but there was a, another company that has announced that they're going to be doing a uh, World Boxing Super Series to feature uh, cruiserweights and super middleweights. Uh, basically, the, um, there's going to be uh, uh, several fights in each weight class, and they're going to battle it out in a bracket-style tournament, and blah, 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 and they're going to start in September, and by the time it's over, May of next year, we'll be crowning the winners. And, you know, I, I, lo I love the idea. I always have. You know, the prize yep. fighter tournament over in England, I, I love it, right? But, mm -hmm. but here's the thing. They're talking about, and, and this is where these types of things, I think, fall on, on just great ideas and fizzle out. And why they even get brought up in the press, I don't know. But, but they're looking at holding a special boxer selection process um, in a couple of days, according to, to the press release, May 15th. And they're going to be looking at um, WBA, WBC, WBO, and IBF uh, champions, as well as top 15 contenders in those sanctioning bodies. As the, you know, the draw, so to speak, the pool of fighters that will be competing right. in this tournament. That's where the problem lies, Sal. That's the problem. Because these guys, I mean, if you're waiting online and you're a ranked contender, and we're just telling you that Stavern's got a shot at Wilder, and then, uh, you know, there's two other guys waiting to, to fight, uh, you know, for the next guy in line, uh, Robert Alinas and Derek Chisora, who neither one of them have been, I mean, Chisora's been busy, but he hasn't been busy winning. Uh, Helenus was out for a while. I mean, so you, you got those, that WBC stacked up. So there's there's four fighters out of the mix right off the bat. Um, you know, and then you have uh, the WBA with Briggs and Aquino. I mean, why would you fight in a tournament that may risk a, a, a gravy uh, payout or, or a layup fight 
uh, with these other uh, uh, sanctioning bodies. I mean, it's a great idea, but I think the sanctioning bodies squash it because, I mean, why would the fighter take the chance? What do you think? No, no way. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't take a chance. No, you. You have a a pathway if you're a contender. Uh, hopefully, you you take the right fights and you get make the the the, the purse purse amount that you're looking for, and you're also getting leveraged into a title fight. That's what they're there for. And uh, you know to to throw that potentially throw that away and go into a nationally televised or worldwide televised boxing tournament to be proclaimed another division or champion uh you know i don't think it's i don't think it's, it's not a smart move if you're a top contender vying for a world title at this stage now i will tell you this i think this was a this would be a great great springboard for a young talent developing uh you know, maybe I don't know if they could do it with uh, people under 15 fights or or something else. Uh, but for the the talent out there that that could be future world beaters, uh, yeah, let's groom them, let's showcase them, and let's let them vie for a, a championship after they win this tournament, something like that. You I know, would, I would love it. I mean, personally, that would be a great way to showcase all these underlings that we don't really hear too much about because they're doing these barn burner fights or they're this but yet they might have talent and ability they just don't have the connections or the notoriety at this time let this tournament be a breeding ground for them to elevate to the next level where they can be recognized where they can be spotted then you hear about management contracts everything else and all the garbage and (laughs) but that's that's the end result let these guys be a proving ground to elevate up into a, a world class light for boxing I agree. I mean, uh, there's no question about that. I agree. But again, the way that the way that they're coddled and and protected, I mean, why would they risk it? You know, it, it doesn't make sense the way everything is laid out today. So, as great of an idea as it all is, yeah. The question of them actually doing it is a whole nother ball game. I mean, I mean, you know, listen, you got to do risk versus reward all the time, you know, and all the time. uh you know, if these guys are, are, are their choices to, you know, fight uh, eight cupcakes and win them all or get into a real fight with somebody and risk uh, losing and then everybody thinking that, you know, you don't you're not as good anymore. Uh, you can see why they don't do it. You know, that's true. It's true. The prize has to be worth the price. And why why uh, take a chance if you're on a fast track or if you're on a track to get into the contention for a title? Let's get everybody caught up with some uh, other sports scores before we take a break and kick Sal to the curb for a little while. Uh, in uh, in playoffs, playoffs in uh, playoff uh, basketball, the NBA playoffs, uh, the Spurs beat the Rockets one ten to one hundred seven to take a three to two lead in that series. Uh, so uh, that one uh, is going at least one more game. Uh, over in the NHL, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, beat the New York Rangers four to two to win that series uh, with the same four games to two. So uh, the Rangers have been eliminated, and the Ottawa Senators, well, they get to move on now. Over in Major League Baseball, uh, the Rockies uh, beat up on the Cubs in the first game, ten to four. I'll get to the second game in a minute. There was a lot of runs scored yesterday in Major League Baseball. The uh, Rangers uh, eleven to nothing. Uh, over the Padres, 
the Orioles five uh, to four uh, over the Nationals in uh, twelve innings. Uh, now uh, the Orioles happen to be uh, have the best record in baseball right now with that win, twenty-two wins and ten losses. The Mariners beat the Phillies ten to nine. The Indians shut out the Blue Jays six to nothing. The Reds over the Yankees five to three. Uh, uh, Yankees uh, uh, have the second best record in baseball, and ironically enough, they're both in the same division. Uh, the Mets, the Mets, Sal, the Mets, <laughs> the, the Mets, Mets uh, finally uh, got to uh, five hundred. Uh, hey. They uh, are now sixteen and sixteen, and believe it or not, they're in second place in their division. They beat the Giants wow. six to one. The Cardinals over the Marlins six five. The Royals over the Rays in twelve innings seven to six. The Brewers beat the Red Sox 11-7. The Twins over the White Sox 7-2. The Astros beat the Braves 8-3. And in the second game, the Cubs got back at the Rockies uh, 8-1. The Tigers beat the Diamondbacks 7-3. The Angels over the A's 7-3 as well. And uh, over in uh, 10 innings, it took the Dodgers to beat the Pirates uh, 4-3 in that one. So uh, that's what uh, went on in uh, some of the other sports, Sal. And... I guess uh, what we're going to do now is uh, kick you to the coib, and uh, we'll, uh, first we'll, have, <laughs> we'll have to uh, come back to you. Uh, we're going to get uh, Larry Hazard on now, and then we're going to go to the Blast from the Past with uh, Alex Papali, and then uh, we'll come back to you for some emails and uh, some other stuff. So uh, uh, I hope uh, I hope you got uh, some extra time to go drink a couple of gallons of coffee, Sal. <laughs> I do. I'm going to be two-fisting it right here. <laughs> with your mug there you go yeah man. that's a that's uh, one ugly mug you got there but uh, <laughs> and the and the coffee ones too i'm talking about but uh anyway hey sal hang in there we'll be uh talking to you in a little while all right i'll look forward to it bill Thank all right you. my man take care take care uh sal rocky senacola uh leaving us for a few minutes but uh fear not uh he'll be back and speaking of being back uh we're gonna take a short break and then we'll be back billy c will be right back Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening uh, to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, we're certainly uh, glad uh, to be with you today. And uh, joining us right now is uh, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, my man Larry Hazard. What's up, Larry? Hey, what's up, Billy? Oh, not too much, my man. Not too much, uh Living the dream, you know, living the dream, Larry. Uh, that's uh, all I could say, you know. But uh, bottom line is, uh, what's your thoughts? Big, exciting fight. I know, I know I got an email from you telling me how much you love the uh, Canelo uh, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fight. Uh, what's your thoughts? Man, that was the most disappointing boxing event or boxing bout that I've seen in many, many years. Um you're talking about a ripoff of the fans for sixty, seventy dollars. That was the ripoff of the year thus far. 
because uh, all we saw was a display of Canelo Alvarez uh, in a gym workout, either with a sparring partner or a punching bag. However, you whatever metaphor you'd like to uh, apply to it, I was so disappointed, um, you know, that I really felt like turning off the television and going to bed. But you know how you sit there and you watch a fight in disbelief. But as each round goes by, you're still waiting for something to happen. But that was it was just a total disappointment. All of the hype, all of the build-up about the great Mexican champions, the great Mexican fighters, and the great Mexican uh, rivalries and wars, that that really was uh, an understatement going in. Nothing but hype and a great disappointment to the fans, I'm sure, and to uh, for the sport of boxing. It was definitely a hype job, and uh, I can't believe that. I mean, Oscar De La Hoya should get uh, an Academy Award for keeping a, a straight face and, and saying, you know, one of these guys won't be able to go back to Mexico and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, about uh, this fight possibly being fixed and all of this stuff, and I, and I hate that because, uh, you know, I, I mean, it, truthfully, in a successful fix, only one side really knows about it. Otherwise, it becomes a choreographed uh, uh, event, and, and I, I really think that Canelo was showing that he wanted to mix it up. Uh, he was actually fighting the exact way I thought he would, uh, but uh, the, the difference was, was Chavez. I mean, Chavez all of a sudden thought he was a boxer. You know, I, I mean, uh, you know, why didn't he go in? Uh, you know, it, it seemed like his biggest uh, challenge was making weight. And I really feel for, for Papa Chavez because this guy was crushed. I mean, he was embarrassed. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Now there's rumor that, that Chavez wants to fight again and all this stuff. I, I don't think we should ever see him fight again. I, I think he showed that. That was a cash-out fight, and uh, assuming that uh, there was no shenanigans there, I mean, the guy just doesn't have it anymore. I, I, maybe he never did, you know, like you had suggested in the past. I mean, um, what's your thoughts on, on uh, you know, the obvious disappointment with Papa Chavez? Well, I got on, actually, Billy, I got on board with you right at the end of the show last, you know, last week, because, as you know, and as you just said, I've said in the past, I never thought that much of Chavez from the beginning. I always thought that he was a pampered kid and all of that. I, I never saw uh, that much in him as a fighter. But I kind of bought into what you said uh, as the show was ending last week. And I says, well, hey, maybe this guy does have a chance, you know. And, of course, I lost $5 to my lawyer, you know, because I took Chavez, you know, based on that premise. And... Uh, it only proved, in, in a way, it proved me uh, being a right originally, that the guy has no real talent. You know, he's just pampered. He, he was living off of, the, um, off, of, off of his father's reputation, and, uh, and that was basically it. And I felt real bad for the father sitting there watching him because he had to really feel a, a great sense of disappointment in his son you know, he's sitting there and he's wondering what the hell is wrong with this guy? Why is he disgracing me this way? I mean, 
He didn't even show any willingness to fight. And then some of this crap that I've, I've tried to make sense of him saying at the end about his strategy. And, of course, he supposedly had this great trainer, this Hall of Fame trainer, this Nacho Beristain or whatever his name is, um, in his corner with this so-called boxing strategy that he uh, implemented. But then I heard Chavez, in a way, trying to put the blame back on the trainer uh, by by criticizing the strategy. But he he was sort of talking out of both sides of his mouth in what I read somewhere, where he's he was saying that that you know um, Alvarez uh, would back up to the ropes and he wanted to box or some some nonsense, but. In my opinion, that's where his real fight was, having Alvarez on the ropes. But I noticed that the few times when Alvarez would back up to the ropes, it was almost in mock. It was almost like he was mocking him. Okay, here I am now. This is where you supposedly want me to be. Come and get me. And he still wouldn't fight. So... You know, it, it was just it was just a disappointing uh, performance. And as far as as far as throwing the fight, some of these rumors and things like that, well, I can understand how the average fan might feel that way, because it was almost watching something in disbelief, because you couldn't believe that this guy was actually in there, not performing at all. I mean, did he throw a hundred fights? Did he throw a hundred? Uh, punches in the entire fight. You know, I was I was kind of like trying to count those punches like these punch stats guys do. And I, I don't even know if this guy threw 15 to 20 punches around. You know, there were he had a few little spurts there where Alvarez would back to the ropes and he'd come in and throw a few pu- punches and then he would back away. He would actually back away. So I... I can kind of um, feel for those fans who really, really are just fans, don't understand what throwing a fight is all about, but it would make you suspect to his motives in the way that he was fighting. But I really felt, I really felt bad for um, Chavez Sr. because you could see the anguish that he was experiencing, you know, sitting there watching this, lackluster, um, for lack of a better term, that his son was was turning in and supposedly, you know, the battle, the showdown for Mexico. So it was it was just it was just a disappointing performance all around. Well, you know, uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, him blaming Nacho uh, for that was 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 ridiculous and my, my my question to the game plan is first of all maybe he's starting to get a little senile nacho uh to to even think that chavez would have uh, outboxed uh, canelo but at some point any good and i've always said this larry and i know you agree with me every good trainer has a plan b or can make an adjustment uh, you know from the corner and that's something they did not do in this fight uh, they stuck to the game plan. Like all of a sudden, Canelo was going to stop throwing punches. I, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking, um, you know. And and then to hear some of the comments from Chavez, 
when he said, well, you know, uh, you know, if I got in too close and I threw too many punches, then he would counter me and hit me back. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, well, you know, what? it seemed like he didn't want to get hit at all. You know, I mean, nobody does, but I think that the punches may have been bothering him, you know. So, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm at a loss uh, for words myself, and, and uh, I apologize for swaying you. I, I really thought that, you know, if Chavez fought the way he has in the past, and, and Canelo was right there in front of him, Larry. He was right there. You know, if he just went and let his hands go, um, maybe we see a different fight, but I think that he was uh, a little nervous about getting hit, and I, and I don't understand why. Uh, he really, the only time he was ever down was in a fight he didn't train for against Von Farah. Uh, he's taken some hellacious shots uh, throughout his career, and, uh, you know, as good as I think Canelo is, he's not really a power puncher. He's an accumulation-type guy, and um, I, I just thought that uh, Chavez should have worked the body, and he didn't, and to suggest that he wants to fight again, I wouldn't let him uh, fight on a Nintendo game or an Xbox. I, I wouldn't let. I, w I would keep. I wouldn't even let him come into a boxing ring as a spectator. You know, uh, his father's probably never going to talk to him again. What do you think? Well, based on that performance, I mean, it's doubtful that he will come back. But hey, look, you know, this is our sport. You know, it's the way it is, and so I really wouldn't be. Totally surprised if I don't see him again. Well, he's talking but about he's talking about challenging. I don't mean to cut you off, but Chavez is saying that he wants to fight Daniel Jacobs. Oh please, <laughs> exactly, you know, exactly. You know, this is these these pipe dreams now, and I guess the fans are now supposed to get. Oh yeah, great, great. It'll be a great fight, sure. No. It'll be as great as um as this as as his performance last week, and it'll be as great as some of the others. That was supposed to be great. But just to touch on your, your point a bit about uh, the great trainers, um, and I agree with you 100%. See, this, this was a perfect opportunity for the real great trainer, if, if it was there, to step up. Because the great trainers, as you know, the Manuel Stewarts, uh, the Angelo Dundees, the Eddie Futches, they know how to make the adjustments early on, you know, round two or three. I could see in I could see in the third round where this fight was going, believe it or not. But it was still just disbelief that because I'm still waiting, I'm waiting. Okay, but after round five or six, I knew I knew it was in the bag. But um, you know, the trainer, I saw I saw no real effort uh, on on the part of the corner. There was there was no um, no real moment of. Um, of, of of anxiety, you know, where, hey, hey, look, let's get going. You know, I heard nothing from the trainer. I, I heard nothing at all. I heard no strategy. I heard no, you know, no no prompting from the corner. I heard nobody jumping in the ring telling this guy, what the hell is going on here? You know, you understand what I'm saying? So it, it, it was just a lackluster, or for lack of a better term, because I, I don't know what you call it, on, on behalf of the fighter, as well as the the whole team there. And as far as him fighting again, I, I wouldn't care if I never saw this guy fight again, you know, and after that performance, you know, I would pick any of the top ten uh, fighters in, in that division to either knock him out. And that's the other thing that I wanted to say about Canelo. As much as we can credit Canelo for the win, you know, 
there's also a, a little shadow of a doubt there with a guy like this in front of you, Canelo, okay, a great fighter would have taken this guy out or made him quit, which Canelo did not do. So um, a little bit to Canelo's discredit, because I'm sitting there after round six or seven, and I'm saying, okay, I see what's going down here. Now I'm looking at Canelo. Knock this guy out or make him quit, which he couldn't do. Not that he wasn't trying. He was trying, but he couldn't do it. So that kind of makes me a little doubtful of uh, Canelo to a degree, his punching ability, his ability to uh, really, really get the job done, so to speak, as all of the great fighters of the past would have done. Could you imagine what uh, a guy like this being in front of Marvin Hagler or Sugar Ray Leonard or Tommy Hearns or Roberto Duran, what they would have done to a Chavez on a night like that? Come on, Canelo. You're not, you're not even in class with the great fighters, in my opinion. Not yet. Well, you know, I, 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 I was saying this earlier in the week, and it, and it seems like, you know, Chavez's victory here, Larry, was the fact that he made weight. I think that, you know, that was his fight. That His fight was to come in and show everybody he could make the contracted weight, which he did. And uh, the, the second part of this was for him to go the distance, which he did. You know, I don't think winning, uh, based on his performance, I, and, and whether he was the only one thinking this or not, I don't think he was thinking about winning the fight. I think he was just there to show that he made weight, that he had a good training camp from that respect, and that he could go 12 rounds with Canelo. And then I, it brings me to the next question. You know, they bring uh, Triple G, who said he wasn't going to be there uh, because of the last time when we all got to hear uh, Canelo say, us Mexicans don't F around and we'll fight him right now. And when was that, nine, ten years ago? I don't know. But uh, uh, all of a sudden we see Triple G sitting ringside. And uh, after the fight, what happens? We get uh, the official announcement that this fight is already signed, sealed, and delivered for September 16th between Triple G uh, and and uh, Canelo, uh, which is a fight we all wanted and, and we all want to see. But, you know, I mean, if it was a real fight uh, that should have, the outcome should have uh, taken, at least been a tougher decision than what it was, how do you know you already got a fight in place? I mean, uh, that seemed a little strange. Yeah. But what's your thoughts on yeah. on the uh, upcoming? I know we got plenty of time to talk about it, break it down, et cetera, et cetera. But number one, what's your thoughts on them announcing the official fight right after uh, Canelo uh, wins uh, all 12 rounds against Chavez? Uh, and then uh, what's your early thoughts on uh, the fight between uh, Canelo and Triple J? Well, once again, it makes it all look suspect and choreographed, okay? Because I've heard some comments about that also. I mean, it just, it just makes it all with the performance that he turned in, with all of the stuff that happened afterwards with with uh, Triple G, it, it all seemed to be choreographed and like it was already predetermined and all, you know. So it just makes it even look worse. But to touch on your point again about um, Chavez's victory being in the fact that he made the weight, well, we really don't know yet how he made the weight. You know what I'm saying? We don't know if he made the weight through training or through some other method. And 
if that's what it was all about, then what the hell is he fighting for? Because since when does fighting, or since when does it not be about winning? You know, so if he came into that fight with any other motive other than winning, then he should really not even be in the game. So, you know, we should all be hoping and wishing him farewell from the game because that's what it's all about. So we don't really know how he made the weight, whether it was through training or through some other, you know, means. And and, and maybe that'll come out soon too. But as far as uh, the fight with Canelo and Triple G, you know, I I, I think that uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I think that this is a fight that Triple G would welcome, you know, based on that the performance that we saw Saturday and based on Triple G's performances. I think that um, this is a fight that's going to be very, very interesting. You know, I I I know, and earlier in the week we were discussing the, the Chavez win. Uh, I mean, the Chavez uh, lost to, to Canelo and, and the lackluster performance. And, uh, you know, I, I was trying to give Canelo credit, Larry, because, you know, he did look good. But the argument that was thrown at me is, well, any fighter looks good when they're working a heavy bag, and that's pretty much what yep. what it was. Uh, but then when you take into consideration the last two performances by Triple G were definitely not his best, um, I think it's going to be a good fight. I, and, and to be honest with you, you know, if you asked me who would have won this fight, any time um, up until, uh, you know, the last fight I, I saw Canelo in, um, I, I would have said without hesitation, Triple G. Now I'm not so sure. You know, I, I'm, I'm starting not only based on Canelo's performance against a, a heavy bag, but uh, the other factors are, you know, Triple G's last two performances, specifically against Daniel Jacobs. Daniel Jacobs was known and is known to uh, have hand speed and, and a lot of power, uh, but a questionable chin. He also came in a lot bigger than Triple G. I believe Canelo will come in bigger than Triple G. I think Triple G is a small middleweight. Everybody's always saying how big he is, but he's not. When you see him in there with, with middleweights, he's, you know, he may be a little taller, but he's certainly, his body structure is not as big uh, of a frame as, as Canelo. So, uh, you know, it could very well be that he's starting to, the downward slide of his career. Remember, he, he's no spring chicken. You know, he might only have one or two good fights left. So maybe the strategy that Team Canelo uh, employed with waiting and dragging it out, maybe that's going to prove to be a good decision because Canelo is still in his prime. He's still in his 20s. You know, so uh, I, I don't know. I don't think that this is as much of a layup fight as I would have thought if you asked me this several months ago. Well, you make you make a good point with Danny Jacobs because I thought Jacobs beat him, okay, except for the knockdown. Um, you 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 make a good point because I also think that Jacobs exposed some of the weaknesses, and so did Kell Brook expose some of his weaknesses and I think that Canelo even though he was he had a workout on a on a heavy bag he did show some of the elements that Triple G does have trouble with that's movement and the geography of the ring uh, as you go back to both of those 
of fights that he had, that he had with Jacobson Kelbrook. Okay, they gave him a lot of movement. They gave him a lot of angles, and he had difficulty. And that that's the one thing that I saw in Canelo in this fight, and it came to mind. I says, well, this guy is showing a lot of nice movement, and he's showing how he can occupy the geography of the ring. And that, I think, it's going to be a problem if there's going to be any problems for Triple G. That's going to be it. Punching power is less of a problem. But sometimes, you know, um, the the quantity of punches can make up for the quality of punches. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's not going to be an easy task either way. But I think that it is going to make for a very some very interesting dynamics going forward if when those two meet. I really think so. You, you know, I, I thought that Canelo um, displayed some improvement with, with his conditioning. There's no question. I mean, he did not fight in spurts. He had a, you know, uh, uh, the gas pedal floored uh, for, for all 12 rounds. He even demonstrated uh, to people like me that he was able to stand uh, between rounds and so on and so forth. Um, but, 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 you know, yes, he has movement, and he, ha- he did display movement, but th- his weakness, which he still possesses, is the inability to land effective punches on the move. I mean, obviously that's not as easy, uh, you know, done as it is said. Uh, you know, very few... Uh, fighters are able to land significant punches on the move but the ones that do are great fighters you know Sugar Ray Leonard Sugar Ray Robinson Floyd Mayweather I mean these are guys that that are able to land you know punches that clearly score while they're moving and they're and they're you know becoming a a difficult target Canelo he may move uh, but he doesn't land significant punches I think that was evident against Chavez because he really didn't hurt Chavez on the move he did more damage inside, which should have been Chavez's fight. So that kind of plays into Triple G, I would think. Uh, but uh, Triple G gave uh, Daniel Jacobs a lot of uh, respect and, and didn't go in uh, all out. And I, I'm going to be curious to see how he treats uh, Canelo. I, I think, uh, I think if, if uh, he makes that an inside fight, a, a phone booth fight, which Canelo a lot of times gets sucked into very easily, I think that favors Triple G. Uh, because he can move, he can jab, and I think that uh, that's the game plan that uh, that he should uh, go in there with. But we got plenty of time to do that. I'm running out of time now. Quick question, Yoriokis Gamboa. I loved him. He quits on his stool. Is it over for him? Yeah, I think it's over. I think it's over. Um, you know, I think he sees the handwriting on the wall, and um, that's why he quit. You know, he was very disappointed in himself. And uh, I think he just felt that, hey, look, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've had my better days. And, uh, you know, he's already coming back off a long layoff. And it just wasn't there. So I think it's, I think it's over for him. I loved him, too. I thought he was a, a, a very good fighter. But, you know, he lost that time, uh, Billy. You know, and in this game, you got to stay busy. So, you know, uh, I think it's over for him. You know, I, really I, I normally keep the, the, the sound off. I can't stand the commentating anymore. But I did happen to listen to what Teddy Atlas said, and, and I agree with him. 
uh, Teddy Atlas said, yes. you know, here's a guy that uh, nobody ever taught how to fight inside. And, and he was able to, yes. to, to prove it, you know, with, with the actions of Gamboa. And um, I, I agree. And it's a shame because he had such athletic ability. He had such hand speed and his accuracy. And uh, it was obvious, uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's fighters with weak chins. And then there's fighters that are getting caught and knocked off balance, which I think is the case with him. Uh, because, you know, he never seems hurt when he gets dropped. But he also goes in there like he's never fought inside in his life. And, and I think Teddy hit it on the head. What's your quick thoughts? No, no. You know, for, for, for Teddy, you know, I always give Teddy a pass on he talks a lot on the telecast. But Teddy pretty much knows what he is talking about. Okay, I got to give him that. And the guy, you know, he made some very poignant um statements uh, in that telecast this past weekend. And I must say that, you know, he kind of overshadowed Bernard, who really has been there. Okay, but Teddy was making the, the real uh, poignant um, uh, statements as it, uh, you know, related to uh, Gamboa in that fight. So he, he hit the nail right on the head. One last question, Larry. Uh, you know, we all, we talked about it last week, and most people I talked to, they're still buzzing about uh, Anthony Joshua's win over uh, Klitschko. And now the big topic is, you know, when is Deontay Wilder going to fight, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua? The WBC just announced their whole lineup of, of fights, and, you know, you got all these mandatories, et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel that we will see Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder in 2017, or do you think they're going to drag this one out uh, until sometime next year? That's a good question, Billy. But I, 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 I think we might have a chance of seeing it this year. I really do. Because well, I, I, believe it or not, I think Wilder does want to fight him. No, I, I, I think so, he does too. Uh, but, uh, yeah. you know, I think all these sanctioning bodies with the mandatories and the threatening of the stripping and and then the management, you know, uh, Deontay, you know, I think his team owes it to him to give him the fight because, you know, if he wins, uh, you know, he's going to be the best, clearly. So all the chest pounding that he's been doing is all true. If he loses, it'll give him a chance to sit back and, and put in perspective what he really has accomplished and where he goes from here, whether he wants to continue or cash out or whatever. But I think it's in the best interest of Deontay Wilder to get the fight. If he truly wants it, and, I, and I'm like you, I believe that he does, I think it's time to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think it might happen this year. Well, good. I hope you're right. I hope you're right uh, more than I was last week with, uh, with the fights. But, uh, <laughs> hey, Larry, I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll be looking forward to you next week, brother. Okay, Billy. I right, take okay. care, man. That's uh, Larry Hazard, Boxing Hall of Famer and uh, New Jersey uh, Boxing Commissioner, uh, giving us his thoughts. And I, I hope Larry was right. I feel bad. I should send him the five bucks he lost to his lawyer. Uh, I talking him into, uh, uh, you know, thinking that Chavez was gonna was actually gonna fight, uh, but uh, you know that's uh, not what happened. And uh, what did happen was, uh, uh, well, we all saw what happened. It was uh, not a pretty not a pretty sight. Uh, for uh, for boxing fans, but uh, nonetheless, hey, listen, we're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, Alex Papali uh, join us for this week's blast from the past. Miguel Canto uh, is our uh, blast from the past today. Another request: don't forget, if you want to request 
a blast from the past. Just drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G, you know, dot com. So listen, we're going to take a short break. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin, acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214 because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. And uh, it's that time again. It's uh, one of our... Uh, Listeners' favorite segments, and we've been doing it for a long time. It's the Blast from the Past, and this week's Blast from the Past is being brought to us by the Title Bout Championship computer game. Get yourself a copy right now by visiting our website, www.billycboxing.com, and clicking on the Title Bout Championship computer game banner. It's right there uh, on the right. And also, uh, the show is being, the uh, Blast from the Past, I'm sorry, is being brought to us in part by kofantasyboxing.com. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Now, this week's Blast from the Past features, uh, it's another request, by the way, so uh, don't forget if you want to request a Blast from the Past, just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, and it features a former world flyweight champion uh, and boxing hall of famer, Miguel Canto. And joining us right now to tell us all about Mr. Canto is Mr. Alex Perpali. What's up, Alex? Good morning, Billy C. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay, my man. I'm doing okay. Living the dream, like I was telling Larry, you know. But uh, Miguel Canto, I was glad that uh, he got uh, requested. Uh, interesting cat that um, a lot of people, I'm sure, have forgotten about. And this guy was the real deal. Unfortunately, he fought in the flyweight division, which uh, a lot of times people don't pay attention to. But... We've we've had some quality fighters in that division throughout the history of the sport. Oh yeah, and I and I really think that um, as much as um, uh, the heavyweights have always been the, the real most glamorous division uh, and by far the most um, uh, recognizable, uh, they transcend the sport like no other. Uh, I think the real talent in terms of skill and the beauty 
of the art of the sport, uh, the guys who have the technique uh, down the best are as you go down in weight. Um, that's why, you know, that's why people like welterweights, why middleweights so much, because it's a balance uh, of both of those things, uh, bantamweights. Uh, but flyweights, of course, these some people don't, uh, especially in this country, we're not big fans of guys that light. Uh, we don't just don't uh, tend to watch them. They don't become stars. Um, and I have to say that, uh, that unfortunately, uh, I really this blast, I don't think does this guy justice. I just didn't find much info on him. Um, a lot of times in the pa the newspaper articles that I searched, at least, all it does is just have the results of fights that he had. Uh, no background at all, uh, so I have very little on him. But um, there are clips of him on YouTube, and I'll post links to that uh, on uh, BillyCBoxing.com. But um, the uh, and when, if you do watch him fight, those clips, I mean, YouTube's such a wonderful thing for a fight fan uh, and a fight historian. Um, but you do see some real artiste in the way he fights, man. I mean, he is fast. He is uh, so elusive build. The upper body movement, it's incredible. Uh, the way he's able to move in and out of the pocket, uh, just really uh, an impressive boxer. And he sort of shattered the mold of uh, the rough-hewn, uh, aggressive, um, brawling Mexican fighter. He, a lot of times they referred to him as the Mexican Willie Pep. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, isn't his nickname uh, El Mastro? Isn't that the master in, in English? So, I mean... El uh, Mastro, yeah. Yeah, you know, so... Um, and, and a guy who... Uh, you know, it's a shame that, that uh, they, they didn't cover stuff. You know, the flyweight division had a rich history early on. I mean, Jimmy Wilde and, and of course, Pancho Villa. Uh, but... but but since Pancho Villa, you know, you did get quality fighters like Miguel Canto, uh, but the era in which he fought was so chock full of other talented fighters. I mean, uh, late 70s, early 80s, you know, that he was overshadowed. But when, when you look at the nuts and bolts, uh, Alex, I mean, the guy was a world flyweight champion. He successfully defended his title 14 times. I mean, that's just a, and, and he, and it wasn't like he, you know, was seeking out the, the weakest opposition, you know, uh, the the good thing about the, the lighter divisions like flyweight is that you really can't duck anybody because, you know, you, you have no choice but to fight the right fights. And and he certainly fought everybody available to him. Uh, 14 successful title defenses. I mean, that's a, that's pretty impressive, Alex. Oh, absolutely. It was, it's, you know, up there in terms of um, some of the most defensive, most uh, title defenses ever. Uh, that's why uh, I think he is um, uh, a hall in the Hall of Fame. Um, but uh, yeah, one of the things that's interesting is that, um, and he's certainly one of the not only is he a Mexican fighter, but he's from the Yucatan, uh, so he has that distinction of being one of the greatest uh, champions um, from that area of Mexico. Um, and yeah, just just the basics on him. Um, I should say that you know the Yucatan might. Uh, ring a bell to all you geology and uh, paleontology nerds out there because um, of course that is the place where the planet is known for taking one of its biggest punches. Uh, there's an enormous crater uh, under much of the uh, Yucatan Peninsula there um, where uh, there was the uh, asteroid impact 66 million years ago that uh, wiped out the dinosaurs. 
Um, but uh, Miguel Canto, born January 30th, 1948 in Merida, uh, Merida Yucatan, Mexico. Uh, Miguel Canto Solis uh, was just five feet and one and a half inch tall and fought as a flyweight. Uh, the Yucatan is one of Mexico's 31 independent, independent states and is also home of other world champions like Gudi Espadas, uh, Miguel Burchelt, um, uh, Gilberto, uh, Gilberto Kebbas, and others, but none achieved similar glory as another name they called him, Bill, was uh, El Maestro Pequeño. Um, and uh, like I said, he was uh, the Mexican Willie Pep, uh, definitely a stylist. I really don't have anything in terms about uh, his amateur career. Um, but uh, he was one of those, um, you know, guys like Bernard Hopkins, uh, I think uh, Glenn Johnson, who um, lost his pro debut. Uh, he lost by actually a third round technical knockout. Um, he was just 21. And, uh, you know, he um, lost again and then uh, had a nice win streak for a while. Yeah, I mean, uh, him losing, um, you know, uh, two of the first three fights that he had, you know, was uh, amazing considering uh, what he accomplished after that. 66 million years ago, I think I think Sal was an amateur then. I, I think Sal Rocky Senecola was, was starting, I, I think he started out as an amateur right around that uh, asteroid. And, you know, the asteroids hurt, man, especially when you go to the bathroom. But uh, anyway, um, you know, uh, Miguel Canto, uh, I'm glad that uh, uh, we're doing him. And the reason is being this, you know, a guy that makes as many successful world title defenses as he did uh, and then, you know, actually finishes his career, um, you know, uh, drawing with the guy who basically dethroned him in Chanhee Park in 1979. Uh, he lost a 15-round decision and then uh, immediately had a rematch six months later and, and fought to a 15-round draw. Uh, you would wonder why they didn't go for a trilogy there. Um, and he also, uh, uh, I think, the 14 title defenses were, um, uh, he kind of set a record, uh, Alex, because although he only got one knockout win of those 14 successful title defenses, he won the other 13 via a 15-round decision, which means... No one else is going to be able to do that anymore because we don't fight 15-round fights. So there's something that should uh, be in people's minds in terms of uh, all-time uh, achievements that will never be broken because unless we go back to 15 rounds, it's impossible. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of those things that uh, – and, and you wonder and, – and it probably does bear out in the um, – in the title bout championship boxing game results. Uh, but that is one of those things that you have to consider when you're comparing eras of Hall of Fame boxers. If they uh, were active in the 15 round era or if they were active in the 12 round era, uh, it's definitely something to consider. Uh, you know, it's, it's arguable, um, but there's no doubt about it. Um, the, uh, 15 rounds is just so much more. I mean, consider, think about that. We call the championship rounds today, it's two rounds. Today there was one and a half times that. Uh, so, you know, or two and a half times that? I don't know. I, I, I majored in English. Um, but uh, to think there's there was five 
championship rounds, and today there's only two. Um, that's a much big, dif- very big, very large difference because I can't help but think that some recent fights, at least the way they, I think um, Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev, uh, Andre Ward, I think, was on his way to um, uh, winning that by by stoppage if that had gone a little longer. I know that that could start an argument with a lot of people, but yeah. Um, uh, I, there's a lot of fights. There was another one recently that I thought would have been if they had gone another round. Maybe it was Thurman. I forget. But you're right. 15-round fight. This guy has had uh, 14 defenses. That was up there with, and I wish I got that stat, um, but because um, if you think about it, there's only, uh, when you're getting into that upper echelon of that many double-digit defenses, uh, that's pretty serious. You know, it's a shame that uh, that there's not much stuff on him because I, I do know that he's uh, alive still. He's 69 years old, but I have no idea what he's doing. You know, uh, I, I, want... I, shouldn't, I, sh- I don't mean to say there isn't material out there. It's just I don't speak Spanish. There's um, two clips on the, uh, on the, on the YouTube uh, of him. One is an interview with Gudi Espadas. They're both talking about Mereda and, um, you know, the hometown of Yucatan. Uh, and then the other one is um, just an interview with Canto, uh, uh, but the the translation feature, I don't know, there's a way to change the subtitles to translate, dude, it, it, I couldn't understand it, because uh, it's trying to translate, but it's like using your autocorrect on your phone. So you you were basically going, no mas, no mas, no mas. <laughs> no, yeah. But, but you know, yeah. he's 69 no, years I'm old now. i so that I don't have that, you know, I can't give him more info. He's 69 years old now, and I, I would just be, I, I, you know, a guy like him with, with his success, and especially his style, it, it would have been great to see him continue in the sport, uh, something that, uh, you know, a lot of guys don't do, which I feel we need. Yeah, I wonder if he is involved in, like, um, uh, you know, in the administration of the sport and managing or whatever, and uh, uh, maybe some of our Spanish-speaking listeners, um, uh, I'll post the links to it, and if they uh, want to shoot you an email um, with they watch it. Quite honestly, uh, he looks pretty good. Um, I'm a little surprised. Uh, I he's never been up in Canastota that I can remember in the time I've been there, um, because uh, you know, and there's they're done those years where they have like you know the night where it's like all mexican night so you'd think that uh they invite him yeah well maybe uh he doesn't like the accommodations that brophy uh puts up i don't know but uh, <laughs> maybe. uh you know uh, it could be that he has been there and i just missed it but i've been there, been going since 2002 and i don't remember a time that he was there i don't either and uh i've uh only missed a couple which may be another one this year but uh Oh, really? You're not going to go? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but uh, anyway, he was named uh, Associated Press as a flyweight of the century in 1999. He uh, had the distinction of sharing that uh, title with uh, Pancho Villa. And uh, I think it was justifiable. You know, um, I mean, uh, until uh, Chocolito came around, I mean, really, flyweights, uh, uh, you know, since him, uh, well, we had uh, Carvajal, right? I mean, he was uh, a flyweight, I believe. But uh, uh, I, I wish that uh, we had some uh, bigger names uh, in the flyweight division today to to dance with uh, with these guys like Chocolito and so on and so forth. But uh, how did he fare in uh, the title bout, my man? Oh, he did pretty well. 
Um, that, well, that was one of the things I did, like you were saying, if you look at his record, um, the thing that's pretty serious about it is that um, he he fought the same, some of the guys were some of the badasses of the era, and he had, he fought them repeatedly, so like, re- had return victories, or he, like, against um, Betulio Gonzalez of Venezuela, he, that was the first title shot that he lost. Um, he then avenged himself upon him two more times, both by 15-round um, decisions. And then uh, the other guy that he did win the title from, uh, Shoji Oguma, the Japanese um, fighter, uh, I think the Japanese southpaw, um, he, uh, he beat him repeatedly. So, yeah, even though that was one of the things that's interesting about this is um, he doesn't at least that I didn't find another Hall of Famer on his record. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame, but I didn't see uh, he, that anyone he beat. And it could be that just flyweights don't seem to get in as often. Well, the division, that's that was my point. The division during his era was weak. And that, that was the reason why he was fighting these guys over and over. They were the best that, that were there, and he, there was no ducking them, you know. Uh, but uh, the flyweight division wasn't as prominent as it was years earlier and how it's starting to get back. I mean, we do have some quality fighters in the division today, uh, but, uh, but during uh, Canto's time, not so much. Well, that, I, isn't that kind of what they said, too, about um, Ricardo Lopez, uh, who was another great, um, uh, you know, mini, mini weight guy, uh, Ricardo Finito Lopez. Uh, he, had, uh, he had a few real defining fights, but because wasn't wasn't that one of his fights that had been stopped the technical draw? I forget now against who that was. But um, it, you know, like you said, uh, he had he was dominant against who was there, but he didn't come around in an era when there was a lot of greats. Yeah, little Red Lopez, and he's uh, not doing too great today. But uh, uh, he was in some wars, that's for sure. But how did uh, Canto do in uh, title? Match? Okay, so, I'm sorry. So. Um, in uh, title bout championship boxing game, I put him in against um, a couple of the top guys in in and around flyweight. I, I went flyweight and junior junior bantam because Chocolatito, of course, is moving up, uh, or at least has been fighting there now. But the first guy I put him in against was Kazuto Ioka. Uh, when they fought the first time, Kanto won by unanimous decision. Uh, he put Ioka down in the ninth. The scores were 117-112, all Kanto by unanimous decision. When they fight 100 times, Kanto dominates, 86 victories, 6 defeats, 8 draws. He stopped Ioka 13 times, and in Ioka's 6 wins, he scored 4 knockouts. Then I put him in against Donnie Nietes. Uh, the first time they fight, Kanto wins by 11th round TKO at 2 minutes and 9 seconds. They stopped the fight um, on cuts, which were caused by a punch in an earlier round. Um, when they go 100 times, uh, again, Kanto dominates. 86 victories, 9 defeats, 5 losses, I mean 5 draws, uh, 6 KOs. And in his nine wins, Nietes scored three KOs. And finally, I put him in against uh, Chocolatito, Roman Gonzalez. Uh, the first time they fight, 
it's a majority decision victory for Kanto. Uh, two scores of 115-113 and another of 114 all. And when they fight 100 times, you get that same number of wins again. 86 victories for Miguel Canto, six defeats, eight draws, 13 knockouts, which is strange. That's exactly the same uh, results against Ioka. Um, in his, um, yeah, and in his six victories, Chocolatito scored four KOs. So this is the first time I saw that where two results doubled. Wow. You know, that's strange with the with the title bout because sometimes, like, for example, Chocolito, he hasn't been stopped. You know, he's got one loss that's questionable, controversial, and yet he gets stopped uh, more times than uh, than anyone else. Well, he tied o Okia, but... Uh, Anyway, Miguel Canto, great job as usual, uh, Alex, a former Sorry. world flyweight champion. Uh, he uh, uh, had a career record of 61 wins, 15 by knockout. Uh, only gave him a 20% knockout ratio. He did lose nine times in which he was stopped five times. He had four draws. He was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1998. And uh, this guy fought 74 fights, 742 rounds. Uh, Miguel Canto, our blast from the past this week. Uh, great job as usual, Alex. Uh, so just before we let you go, a couple of topics I wanted to ask you about. First and foremost, um, I know you watched the uh, Chavez-Canelo uh, fight. I, I think you just woke up uh, uh, from that. But, um, you know, now that we've had some time to digest the fight, number one, has your outlook changed? And number two, what's your early thoughts on a showdown between uh, Canelo and Triple G? Um, I, I did watch the fight again. Uh, I suffered through it again because um, I was a little curious as to, you know, how good did Canelo look? Um, was it fixed? Um, you know, was it a setup type thing? And um, why did Chavez hold back? Um, I thought Canelo, like I said in the post-fight show, I thought Canelo looked... Uh, very powerful in terms of his jab and some of his combinations. But I do think that he was holding back. Um, I think probably because he didn't want to risk uh, hurting himself, getting cut, breaking a hand or anything, because he's got the biggest payday of his life. He knew he had the biggest payday of his life coming up in a few months. That's the thing that I think is what maybe makes people you know, they're a little bit of a stink around the fight, is that it does feel like it was sort of an infomercial, like somebody said in the chat room that night. Um, I, but I do think we we saw Canelo look good. I mean, Canelo handled a bigger man and shut him down completely. If you watch, to me, the fourth round was really, that's where he bloodies his nose. He really was just busted him in the face with that jab. Um, I, I don't know, but I think that can, uh, Chavez Jr. didn't have much. For him, and a lot of people have said this, the victory was making the weight and not being penalized that million-dollar fee. Uh, then it was like, you know, i got nothing to fight. Um, and I, I, I think between being sort of sapped from the weight drain... And then being out of his league in the sense that um, his best wins come over Brian Vera 
And uh, Canelo, you know, is, you know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of Canelo's victories come over guys faded, like the win over Mosley and stuff. So we still don't really know how good he is. Um, but uh, I do think that um, he certainly manhandled the bigger guy. But how much the bigger guy was weakened just by losing the weight, I think, is a question. Yeah, no, I, I think his biggest victory uh, was uh, making the weight. Uh, one last question, our topic today, Deontay Wilder facing the possibility of facing Anthony Joshua. Do you think it's going to happen this year, or are they going to drag that on, brother? I, I don't know. I, I was mentioned in the chat room. I watched the Joshua uh, Klitschko fight again last night. I think the sport really is on high from that. It was just such a wonderful night. Um, I hope that he fights uh, that uh, I don't think it's going to be Wilder. Wilder is, uh, if he goes right into Joshua, I think that would be a huge mistake. They're going to want to make that marinate a little. Um, and I do think that Wilder just plain has, hasn't fought. I think he'd get his ass kicked in right now if he fought Joshua. Uh, Bill, remember the last fight he's throwing punches like this. You know, imagine if Ali was active today, what he would, the nicknames he would come up with for Deontay Wilder. He has regressed. He needs to fight somebody uh, incrementally better than who he's been facing before he faces Joshua, because right now he'd get crucified. I agree, and and you know what? To defend Deontay, it's not his fault. It's his team's fault for putting him in so weak, and he struggled with those guys. He struggled with some of the weak fighters he should have taken out quickly, but to pound your chest and say you're the best, to have people actually stick up for you and say you're the best, it's time for him to put up a shut up. He's gotta fight Joshua. And I think we need, I think the sport needs that fight now. Uh, they, to did, let it, they did him a disservice by by not giving him incremental challenges exactly. after the Stavern fight. They really did. Well, the truth of the matter is, is fighters should get the, the progression uh, before they're a title holder. Once they're a title holder, now they got to fight all the best, you know, and that's not what happens today. And then, what you know, when you read the whole... Uh, list of uh, next, uh, you know, uh, uh, mandatories that are already being set up for him. I mean, he could he could hide behind the WBC and say, well, you know, I, I want to fight Joshua, but he's ducking me. I got to fight this guy instead. I mean, that's that's the propaganda that happens with the sport. But I, for one, think that that fight needs to be made this year, and uh, we will find bigger and better fights for 2018 after the big fights are made. Now, you see, that's the other thing. The, the, the sport has a tendency to drag on the fights we want because they're acting like there are no other big fights. But after you get a big fight out of your way, it creates another big fight, you know? So it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that the fans today have been brainwashed. Alex, you know what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. I think you just make an excellent point. Uh, a lot of times, big fights make make additional big fights. I mean, look at right now. I, I wouldn't mind going right into a rematch of Klitschko, Joshua. Uh, I I think that both guys, of course, need to take a break because of just how bruising that was. But if that's the next fight we see, I got no problem with that. I'd watch them fight again. Um, and then see uh, Joshua versus Fury. Maybe that would be uh, he'd be in shape. Uh, or Joshua versus Wilder after that, I got no problem with that. But to me, I think Wilder would be wise to fight like um, 
a Luis Ortiz, but that's not a good, that's not an easy win for him. No, Ortiz is dangerous for any of them. Listen, as far as Klitschko, unless Klitschko fights a guy like Wilder or a rematch with Tyson Fury, that makes the most sense to me. And then the winner face Joshua. To have a rematch right now, Klitschko-Joshua, although I agree with you that it would be an entertaining fight and I wouldn't say I don't want to see it, I just feel that because Anthony Joshua won by knockout, it's a lot different than if that fight went to a, the, the scorecards and some people felt that the cards weren't accurate, etc., etc. That sets the, the groundwork for a rematch. In this fight, not only did uh, Anthony Joshua win, I mean, yeah, you could say, oh, the fight was stopped. They were trying to say that the fight was stopped too soon. I don't think so. Klitschko didn't argue, and he would have been dropped again. That would have been a third time in that round. The fight would have been stopped anyway. So, uh, no, uh, Anthony Joshua won that fight. He won it decisively. Now it's up to Klitschko to maybe regain uh, something, beat another top guy, and then cash in on the rematch with Joshua. But that's just my opinion. Either way, uh, I think the Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua fight needs to happen sooner than later. That would be great to see. You know, I would love to see Joshua Wilder, but no, I think that that if anything, that's what um, because it looked like for briefly there that Klitschko uh, in two rounds, it looked as though Klitschko was two punches away from winning the fight. Um, and I think just considering that was the best we've ever seen him, uh, he certainly to me earned uh, the rematch. I think there is a rematch clause too. So if he wants to exercise it, I, I don't. I don't have any doubt they'd get ninety thousand people again. I don't know. That was just such a great night for boxing. I love the moment at the end when he's talking to the crowd and he acknowledges the uh, Vander and Lennox and Roy Jones and he talks about how Roy. He even used to sing Roy songs. So it really does, it was just such a wonderful night for boxing. Uh, if we return to that again and even recaptured a, a fraction of that uh, and Joshua blows him out early, uh, I'd have no problem with that. Alex, great job as usual, and uh, we'll look forward uh, to you next week, my man. All right, Billy C., take care. That's Alex Papali uh, giving us our blast from the past. Hey, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, we're going to dig up the 66-million-year-old man Sal Rocky Senecola. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking about being with us, joining me right now is... Uh, the guy who uh, apparently was uh, at the place that Alex Papali was just telling us about 66 million years ago. He was starting his uh, amateur career, Sal Rocky Sinicola. How was that? <laughs> what, what was it like when that uh, asteroid hit? What do you think they call me Rocky for? There you go. They, they, listen to go. me. I'm celebrating my 66th and first birthday, 66 and a million and one. There you go. Coming up soon. 
Jeez, it must have been uh, tough. I heard that. I heard you had Geico <laughs> uh, insurance. Didn't Weren't they the ones with the cavemen? I, I don't know. Oh, wait, that's not politically correct. For all you cavemen out there, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, offend anyone. I marked it with my ex. There you go. But uh, we got an email to read, Sal, and this one's from uh, my man Jesse. And I seem to have misplaced. I had a couple other ones. I can't seem to find them right now. But uh, this one's from Jesse. And he says, hey, Billy C., I read that Diaz Jr. will face Regis Progress, uh, in, uh, and this fight should be very good. Mikey Garcia sparred with Diaz Jr., and he mentioned that he hits very hard. So uh, so right now, who would you favor? Um, I, I like Diaz Jr. I, you know, I think uh, Progress is, you know, hasn't had enough progress, to tell you the truth. I, I think that he's been coddled, and uh, uh, I would favor uh, Diaz Jr. Uh, if, that, uh, if that fight does take place. He says, what's your thoughts on Sahib, uh, the golden uh, Tajak Yuzarov? Um, well, first thing, my first thought, Sal, is I can't pronounce the guy's name. But uh, what, what he is, is uh, he, he's a Russian. I, I think he's a Russian. Uh, I know he resides in Russia now. Um, he's undefeated, 22-0, and 0, uh, with eight knockouts. He's 33 years old. He is a southpaw. But but here's the thing. When, when you look at his... Uh, you know, resume. He hasn't fought anyone of note. No one in his whole career. Uh, he did start uh, his career in 2006, but um, from 2013, he didn't fight again till September, from May of 2013, he didn't fight again till September of uh, 2016. He's 33 years old now. Um, I'm not so sure he's, he's, he's going to make any kind of an impact. I, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, in those low weights, uh, at 33 years old, I mean, um, you know, the only thing you could say, he doesn't have a lot of mileage on him, but he also doesn't seem to have uh, a lot of pop. But uh, I'm not uh, not that crazy uh, on him, to be honest with you. Jesse, he says, what's your thoughts on uh, uh, Kai Yaffe? He's 21-0 with 14 knockouts. Uh, he's defending against uh, Japan's uh, Suguru uh, Murinaka, uh, who's 25-2-1. Um, you know, I... I, I I like uh, Yaffe. I think he's the real deal. Uh, Mirianaka is uh, ranked number 22 with the record you just mentioned, Jesse, 25-2-1. But he's faced mostly unknown opposition. As far as Yaffe, uh, the computer sees him at number five, and he's faced much better opposition, including his last couple of fights. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like uh, Yaffe. I think that he's uh, the real deal. Finally, he says, I read that Felix Verdejo uh, said his next fight's going to be against Terry Flanagan. Uh, they are waiting on the date and place. I think it's too early for him to take on uh, Flanagan. Uh, he should uh, his last opponent hurt him pretty bad. He should have he should fight guys like Castellanos, uh, Bay, uh, Ray Beltran, or Comney. Uh, how do you see the situation? Um, you know Terry Flanagan. I like Terry Flanagan, Sal, uh, but he's not exactly a, a, a power puncher. I mean. I, you know what? It is what it is. I mean, it's time to make the fights. Like I just said to, to Alex before, you know, there's no sense saving uh, a, a fight that you think needs to be marinated because other fights will happen after the big fights. You create, as soon as a big fight is a big fight, make it happen. Then another big fight will fall in its place. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's the perfect theory right there because, you know what, they, they will materialize. It's just a matter of when push comes to shove and, you know, make the big ones now while it's hot, hot on the iron and then guess what? The other ones will materialize. They'll have to happen. They'll rise to the top. Good well, point. I mean, there's no, there's no reason 
to keep waiting. I, yeah. I mean, what you end up getting is you end up getting uh, inferior fighters. And what I, what I mean by that is you could have the same two top quality fighters fighting the fight, but they become inferior because they've gotten older, uh, they've lost a step, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, even though the playing field is somewhat even because both fighters age the same amount, uh, the fans are getting ripped off. And, and that was certainly the case with, with the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, Sal. I mean, everybody's always talking about, oh, Mayweather, Mayweather let uh, Pacquiao get older. But, but the truth of the matter is, is Mayweather's older than Pacquiao. He, you know, it wasn't like he was in a time machine where he didn't age. You know, I, you know, but they both aged. So we didn't get both fighters at their best when we wanted that fight. I, I don't know. No. I don't know. What do you think? I think you're right. I think you're right on. I know it's five years too late as it was. And, uh, you know, we started talking about it early on. And that's when the Heat should have made the, the fight happen. But it didn't. Deontay Wilder, we were talking about uh, that earlier. Uh, you know, do you think the fight's going to happen this year or next year? And, um, you know, with all these other fights lined up and then the sanctioning bodies with their claws into the fighters and, uh, you know, this one wants to fight that one, this one has to fight that one. I, I mean, Alex made a good point a few minutes ago. He said, you know, and, and Larry Hazard said the same thing. You know, they said we, we, they both feel that Deontay truly wants to fight. Yes. And, yes. and as a fighter and a guy that, you know, has believed his press clippings and has believed all the, the, the whispers in his ears that he's so good and has pounded his chest, like I say all the time, I think it's time to give him the fight. I, you know, Anthony Joshua, you know, you can make the argument that he's got to fight an IBF mandatory. He's got to wait for Klitschko to make his decision. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. But the truth of the matter is, is that's the fight that boxing needs. It needs a continuation of a great performance by both Klitschko and Anthony Joshua a few weeks ago. Um, as goes the heavyweight division, so goes boxing. We all said it. We got treated to uh, 90,000 live people screaming and having a great time. A great fight, a historical fight. We got to keep the momentum going. And the next logical fight is Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder. What does uh, Rocky think? <laughs> That's the most logical. That's the most logical. But then again, we're in a illogical scenario with boxing sometimes. And, you know, there's the greed and the need for other things to happen. But that, that is the most logical fight. And I think it should progress along that path. And, and uh, we should see that fight by the end of this year. That's exactly what I think. Well, a fight like uh, Shannon Briggs against Fred Zaquendo combined, they've been out of the ring four years and they're fighting Forget for a about world it. title. I, I mean, that's I ridiculous. have no interest, Bill. No interest. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I, Shannon Briggs has has worked himself into a into a cartoon character. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, uh, let's go champ, let's go champ, let's go champ. You know, I, I mean, you know, he's he's a joke. You know, and and truthfully, he hasn't fought anybody remotely close to a top ten fighter, and yet he's you know uh, earned so to speak uh, the spot. And Fresquendo, I think it's just payback because they screwed him so much. Uh, in, in some other fights, but nonetheless, the guy hasn't fought in three years. Talk about ring rust. I mean, how do you even gauge? You know, if a guy hasn't fought in three years, like Oquendo, and Shannon Briggs hasn't fought in a real fight in, in I don't know how many years, uh, and they're both fighting for a world title. I, I mean, you know, that to me, that fight in itself, plus the recent fight between Kajanu and, and Joseph Parker, uh, and then the, 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 the rumor that you know, Parker's going to fight Huey Fury anyway again. 
I mean, that screams that we need uh, Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder even more. What do you think? I think you're right on. You hit it right on the head. You know, let these fighters that 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 want to fight each other and, and be the best and show the world that they're the best. You know, let this this happen and uh, let the powers let this happen. And uh, I think you're right. You know, we got some great scenarios there, but I think the number one thing that'll let everything else settle, and then other fights will be made, as you were referring to earlier. Make the big fight now, and then other things will happen and step in line next. So I think they definitely should fight before the end of this year. I, I'd like to see that fight in the fall. I mean, I, you know, with, to suggest to boxing fans that, um, you know, oh, the only big fight is so-and-so against so-and-so. You know, I, no, let's marinate, let's wait. You know, no, 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 no. It, it's not. You know, if Canelo, for argument's sake, if Canelo fought Triple G two, two years ago, somebody else would have emerged into the next great fight, you know, and... And like you True. always referred to round robins where fighters fight each other and then the next guy and then earn a shot again. I mean, that's something that's almost extinct in this sport, you know, and uh, it, it's a shame. It's a shame. And, and I, you know, um, we got the fights now to be made. We got the fighters now to be made. Let's not marinate. The money no. will be there. There'll be other opportunities. After all, it is a trade, whether people look at it or not. you got to earn your shots. And for all the... You know, I just find that the way it works, it, it you know, if you're a young guy working your butt off in the gym, what's the incentive if you don't if you're not with the right people or you know, you're not uh, you know, in the right spot or so on, you may never get a shot. I mean, what's the incentive to stay in the sport? Well, you you said that too right there and you know, the incentive uh, for every fighter entering the ring should be to get a title fight and to become a champion. But, uh, you know, that's not realistic for everybody. But the bottom line is that should be the incentive. And then to leverage themselves and to do the best they can to evolve into a world-class fighter. That's the incentive right there. And look at the, some purses. You know, Bill, I'll tell you, I say it over and over again. I would love to see boxing return to 15 rounds for a title fight for a championship. Because as Alex and you guys were talking earlier, man, that, that's the championship rounds, the 13th, 14th, and 15th round. Now all of a sudden we're we're um, we're facing championship rounds eleventh and twelfth. Hey, keep you it. Know? Hey, if they keep going this rate, they're <laughs> going to say the championship rounds are three and four. You know, three uh, and four. Forget yeah. about it. You know, one more thing, Bill. I said it often, and I would love. I mean, I wish somebody would have the Goliones enough to say now. Remember, this is prize fighting. This is championship boxing. This is what we entered for. Let the winner of the fight get the biggest prize. I agree. These world titles fights should be maybe a 70-30 split, 60-40 split. The winner of the fight should have the incentive. You want to talk about incentive? The winner of the championship fight should get the larger purse. 100%. Not predetermined. 100%. It shouldn't be predetermined, and no. th that should be the incentive. You win the fight, you min you make more money. The, the fight Triple G Absolutely. and Canelo coming up, guarantee Canelo's going to make more money. The fight coming up, the rematch between Ward and Kovalev, guarantee Ward's going to make more money. He made more money in the first fight. You know, so uh, it's all BS. But uh, anyway, coming up tomorrow, we uh, are scheduled to have uh, Mauricio Suleiman join us from the wow. WBC. Uh, so we'll get uh, some of his thoughts on some things, and I promise I'll be nice. Um, and, uh, you know, we may even have a chance to open up the phone lines. We are not doing a live show on Friday. Uh, so tomorrow will be our last show for the week, but we will return on Monday. 
And uh, speaking of which, I have uh, the trivia question, Sal, and uh, it's still the same one. I, I got a bunch of the, wow. the, the cry, the crybabies. I won't mention his name, but his initials are Kevin, and he happens to be in the chat room right now. Um, you know, crying about bringing back the uh, uh, bringing back the uh, uh, trivia question, and we did. And so far, uh, you know, he's he's fallen flat on this one. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a hint today. Uh, the, the question is, which former world champion lost the most title fights? Which former world champion lost the most title fights? And um, my first hint is that this guy fought in those uh, title fights that he did fight. Uh, he fought, uh, let me see, he fought uh, one, one of his opponents uh, two times. So he fought one of his opponents two times uh, in this uh, uh, in this whole scenario. So uh, of the uh, fights that he lost, his title fights, he fought the same guy twice, which counts as separate title defenses. So there's a hint for you. Uh, if you can uh, be the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com with the correct answer. You'll win the prize. But first, Sal, now that I'm able to give you uh, a hint that uh, he fought the same guy uh, twice uh, out of all of these fights, do you have an answer uh, on which former world champion lost the most fights? Do, do you have an answer on this one, brother? No. I, I, you know, I, is it a contemporary? Would it be Leon Spinks? You know, my canned answer is going to be uh, Jack Dempsey, but that's not going to happen again. Forget about it. Jack, so uh, your answer is Jack Dempsey. Yes, my answer is Jack Dempsey. I'm going with that. Uh, no, it's not Jack Dempsey. Um, so uh, Sal uh, failed to help you guys out. So uh, uh, again, the hint is he fought one of these guys twice among uh, the uh, uh, title fights uh, that he lost. So which former world champion lost the most title fights? If you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. You'll win the prize, which is your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Uh, listen, don't forget uh, to tune in tomorrow morning. Uh, and uh, we will uh, have, like I said, we're scheduled to have uh, Mauricio Suleiman uh, joining us from the WBC uh, and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, before we go, I I I'm going to leave you with this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then. Ciao, baby.